0: So we're picking up from our readings from Swami Vivekananda's Bhakti Yoga, one of his uh, one of the classic books, his four small books on the four yogas. We're just coming to an end, I don't know if we'll finish tonight, we might, you know I always We never even finish a chapter with the speak of the book, but we have theoretically, I think, three chapters. So if I read really fast and don't talk, we we may be able to finish, which is not my habit. Um, Last week we read his very famous Triangle of Love. Do you remember what the three parts of the triangle are? Love knows no bargaining. (laughs) No, 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 but, fear. Okay. no fear, no rival. No rival. No rival. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the problem now we see that almost all—not only our religion, but even our loving relationships—is full of bargaining, <laughs> <laughs> fear, and uh, and rival, rival. Interesting rivals and interesting. We didn't get to really speak too much about the rival. We spent more talking about other points of it. The rival is that there's, when the one you love, there can be no second, right? Uh, that if you really love the ideal, not just small things that we love, with attachment to, affection for, uh, desire for, it's not what's meant, that, when, that there can be no second, right? And some have given, you know, there is, we can take uh, scriptural statements from different traditions that are, can be very, and, and judge them at their face value. Yeah, like the love, like, uh, what is it, the... Uh, uh, then have no other, like there's one thing, no, have no other gods before me. for And then why, I am a jealous god. Now we can take that out at, at, at the superficial level. What type, of, what type of god is that, jealous god, the, the lowest of human emotions, right? And, 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 and that may be the original meaning. I mean, we, don't, we can only guess what was in god's mind or the writer's mind when he spoke or they wrote such things down, right? But uh, many modern theologians have unpacked it in a very, uh, in a very open way. That the no God before me means that there should, that our love should go only to God, right? And 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 it's an all or nothing type of thing. But Swamiji is not even saying that. It's not that that, that that we should nothing else should take the place of God. When we love God, nothing can take the place of God. There's only when there's when when real love pada bhakti develops, there can be no nothing else, right? Uh, uh, so it's not even the uh, the. Uh, 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 You shouldn't. You can't. That's another thing. Love knows no... Not not that love shouldn't have a rival. Love has no rival. There's nothing beyond... uh, Nothing nothing can take its place. So, so uh, So another... So love's triangle. Swamiji, if we actually analyze this bhakti yoga, actually in Swamiji's works, very often he's speaking on texts that he's not quoting, right? He gives a lecture, would be a class on the Ishupanishad. A lecture would be on the second, uh, second part, the second verse of the second part of Yoga Sutra. But he never quotes, he never says those words. But you realize that, and now there's been some scholars within the Ramakrishna Mission that have been annotating, right? That this verse, this idea, he's actually summarizing S- uh, school of the thought and scriptures like that. without it, uh, So we can see that the, the, in his Bhakti Yoga, he's quoting many things from the, the famous Bhakti text, the Bhakti, uh, Narada Bhakti Sutra. But Sri Ramakrishna said that in this uh, age, especially, N- Naradiya Bhakti is the way, the Bhakti as taught by Narada. And so this next chapter called Love of God is Its Own Proof. That's a direct. I mean, I sent it to you, I don't remember, I don't have the, the verses, we did we did a translation and we gave mini-talks on the Bhakti-sutta. Uh, 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 and uh, um, what's the word for proof, you remember? Uh, uh, there's the word. Pramaya, hmm? what is it? Uh, some, something, uh, I'm embarrassed I don't should, I would not have time to prepare for these things. Prepare, <laughs> way, we, we, we had Amavasya yesterday, there's no time to do anything. But uh, uh, um, uh, that, that, so that's a direct, this, this is a, in a certain sense a direct uh, a description of this, 20, on this book it's a page and a half, in the small book it's about three small pages or four small pages. Um, uh, uh, it's Swamiji's commentary on this verse. It's been interesting to go and insert the verses where Swamiji is. Talking. The other day we were looking uh, 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 at the uh, Gyaneshwari Gita, that the Siddha Yoga or Ashram put out, that one version, it's such a beautiful version because if anybody knows Ganeshwarī Gita, it's a Marathi text on uh, uh, by uh, Gan, uh, uh, Ganeshwara, a very great saint, and the whole commentary is actually him speaking re-speaking the Gita, so like it, it's just, uh, oh Arjuna, don't you know this, don't you know this, don't you know this, right? But Actually, he's giving a commentary. All those verses are commentary on the Gita. But he doesn't quote the Gita. Right? He rephrases it in this form of commentary. And so what that, that chat, the, uh, the, um, the uh, Siddha Yoga Ashram did, they inserted the verse that he's commenting on, which is very helpful. And you realize, oh, that's his commentary on that verse. Very extremely very. Otherwise, it's kind of, I, got, I used to get kind of lost. and it. It's brilliant, but I never knew you know, what, what, he was, what, he, what he was aiming at. Uh, uh, so similarly, we could do that with Samiji's Swami, Samajis uh, books. Is insert what part of what part of the text he's describing? But anyway, uh, when we spoke on the on the Nardabakuti, we spent a lot of time on this idea of, of bhakti um, uh, being its own evidence, its own proof. So Prusa, we won't give the philosophical foundation so much. We'll let samaji speak and just try to explain his his points. What is the so? This is. God is love of, the God of love is his own proof. What is the ideal of the lover who has quite passed beyond the idea of selfishness, of bartering and bargaining, and who knows no fear? So this is remember. This is not a different talk. It's the next sentence from the last chapter. You know, he talked about the three stages, the three, the three triangle, the tri- the three legs of the triangle of love. So what is what can be said about such a person? What does it be? Uh, um, what is the ideal of that of such a lover who has passed beyond selfishness? That's a very big thing. Even to even to the great God, such a man will say, "I will give you my all, and I do not want anything from you. Indeed, there is nothing that I can call my own." This is a symbol. Uh, uh, uh. This is the sentiment of bhakti, real bhakti. Uh, oh God, whoever you are, uh, as either uh, my intimate lover or the great awesome God to whom you can do anything. You have nothing to ask. I don't want anything. I just love you. Right? Uh, don't ask anything. When a man has acquired this conviction, his ideal becomes one of perfect love, one of perfect fearlessness born of love. So I'm going to give the example that or describing that where love is where love is fear is not, right? So this fearlessness that can come from love. The highest ideal of such a person has no narrowness of particularity about it. For it is love universal, love without limits and bonds. Love itself, absolute love. This grand idea of the religion of love is worshipped and loved absolutely as such without the aid of any symbols or suggestions. Now, Samaji is not criticizing temples. Uh, sometimes it sounds like Samaji can also very much easily criticize temples and images and beliefs and dogmas and ideas of God. But he's saying, but, but at, and, those, and, in, and in this book itself, he gave, the, he gave them all their proper importance. As stages, or as, as as ways of thinking about things we can't think about, as as uh, But he's, now he's at a level this level of bhakti we, we hear called para bhakti. Uh, this is beyond. Para means beyond, right? So we think of our definition of bhakti or love. It's not that Pada means it's not that. So any definition we come, it's not that. So we say, oh, I love God. What do you mean by God? Oh, God's my mother. It's not that. That's not what we we're talking about or God's my father, God's my... Even in the next chapter we'll talk about these very sweet relationships with God, right? But Pada Bhakti is beyond even any, any, any... Not that a lover of God won't go to a temple, right? But the one Ma's not just here. Of course, we start Ma, God's not just here, God's everywhere, right? And sometimes we foolishly say, oh, since God's everywhere, I won't go to a temple, Right well, that's complete foolishness. means I won't because God's everywhere, we won't see Him anywhere. Or see her anywhere. That's foolishness. But when you actually see Him everywhere, or see her everywhere, when that's your actual experience, not a belief or a, 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 a conviction, but an actual experience, then when you're in a temple, wonderful. When you're not in a temple, wonderful. Right. Uh, you can't forget, you cannot not think. This great ideal, the religion of love, is worshipped and loved absolutely as such, without the aid of any symbol or suggestions. This is the highest form of para bhakti, the worship of such an all-comprehending ideal as the ideal. All the other forms of bhakti are only stages on the way to reach it. All our failures and all our successes in following the religion of love are on the road to the realization of this one ideal, para bhakti. Object after object is taken up, and the inner ideal is successively, pro- successively projected on them, all. And all such external objects are found inadequate as expressions of the ever expanding inner ideal, and are naturally rejected one after another. So we take one, I- one object after another, not just like an object like a statue or a symbol, but an object of in a mental idea or some idea of God, and, and we take object after object and we present. And We project on it the infinite ideal that like we're of God, uh, uh, and try to love it. But in each one of them, that ideal will never. That's also we can put. Obviously, we're not going to stand here in front of Mons and talk against idol worship or and deity worship, right? <laughs> right. But the Bible says, "Create <laughs> no graven image." You know. So what's, again, a very liberal trained uh, uh, interpretation of even these verses is this idea: is that that whatever, whatever, any image, any idea, not just physical image, any mental image, any cultural image, any intellectual image, emotional image, any, uh, uh, we project the infinite qualities on it and try to worship it. But at a certain stage we realize it's lacking, it doesn't fit, right? Uh, 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 I, I don't want to jump, there's a beautiful, in the next, on the next page, one of my favorite lines is Vivekananda and that, that and actually, in a certain sense the infinite is trying, not only are we trying to put our, infinite, the, our love for the infinite into a, a limited object, Right, and therefore we'll find that never fully satisfying. As we progress, we will find out that, and one after another, we'll replace it with a larger and more sublime, more subtle and more sublime, until the images, not images, but the mental images and mental constructions fall away, are transcended one after another. Right, but maybe even this is creation itself. Is that is is the infinite itself trying to manifest in imperfect, limited forms? It's not only us trying to find it in the limited forms. But limited forms are itself the revelations of that. Somebody will say something like that momentarily. At last the aspirant begins to think that it is vain to try to realize the ideal in external objects, that all external objects are nothing when compared to the ideal itself. And in the course of time he acquires the power power of realizing the highest and most generalized abstract ideal entirely as an abstraction that is to him quite alive and real. When the devotee has reached this point, he is no longer impelled to ask whether God can be demonstrated or not, whether he is omnipotent and omniscient or not. To him, he is only the God of love. He is the highest ideal of love, and that is sufficient for all his purposes. When the devotee reaches this point, he does not have to the question whether that God can be proved you know, or not, is, 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 is ir- ir- irrelevant. Actually in Sami's um, his commentary on the, on, the, yeah, on the Raja Yoga section, I forget what verse, he's comment- one of the early verses he's commenting on, uh, 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 he also states that the, the idea that, you know, maybe some people, I know you have a degree in religion, unfortunately I also have a degree in religion, Right. And so, which we spent a lot of time arguing for the the arguments for and against God's existence. We have the argument from uh, you have the what you the, the argument of design. The argue, you know, there mean, so, so many arguments that are put. Like if the, if the world shows design, there has to be designer. There has to be a prime mover, a first cause, an uncaused first cause. Uh, uh, there's all these. Very, I mean, I, I I have to admit I like this stuff, so I mean, I studied these things, it's fascinating. But it's just out of mental hobby, <laughs> you gotta do something, and this is, this is, didn't require math also, <laughs> that was another, another benefit of studying this in school. <laughs> uh, uh, but... You, Swami Vivekananda says actually so many people not only intellectual but, but in religion also they're, they're, they're arguing for trying to prove God's existence trying to convince people of God's existence trying to convince themselves of God's existence now the, it's under the political sphere and, and what you put in textbooks and what teachers can teach and not teach trying to force uh, what teach the controversy and all the different things that have come up trying to, trying to uh, establish this but Swami Vivekananda says actually but to an actual knower of Brahman to a knower of God, that they never tried to give all these arguments for God's existence. And you ask, well, how do you know what well, does God exist? Of course, He exists. But how do you know He exists? I know. Mm-hmm. No, no. But the, what's the, what's the, what's I like, Can give it? It's gotten to a point. We were discussing the other day that really in modern. i forgive me. It's been a while, it's been a long. It's been 20 years since I've really engaged the, uh, the uh, these uh, philosophical arguments, right? But it's, it comes, I'll tell you right now, it comes down to a little tiny propeller on a one-celled creature, right? <laughs> that, that's, that, that proves God exists. That's what it's come down to this, right? Yeah, maybe you have seen there's, there's a, a tiny little microorganism that's tail, has a little propeller tail, that the argument is that in the amount of time uh, that, that, that biological life has existed, it's impossible for that to have evolved on its own. This is the arguments, right? So the arguments so really are at present, right? All religion and science and religion is on a little propeller of a little one cell, you know. But this is, you, you, to use this to, 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 to argue with Sri Ramakrishna would be quite silly, right? right. <laughs> but no, but, but no God does, God's not the creator. Could look at this little propeller on uh, a. <laughs> On a one-cell organism. I mean, it's, it's like that's very it's actually it's actually very interesting. It 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 puts to question the whole the whole view of, of evolutionary theory and the timeline of evolutionary theory. So it's a fascinating discussion, right? Right. But the side that put a lot of a lot of uh, of um, uh, uh, value into the in, into this one argument, and I think it's interesting that the, that religion, science, and religion is based upon this one one little bit of evidence, you know, uh, argument. But no, but no yogi or no realize uh, we consider realized well, they don't speak like this, right? They speak from their own experiences, and they can't, and they can't argue the experience. Well, Sri Ramakrishna gave an example. He says that uh, using his wonderful style of, of talking, he says that a, a, a little girl goes a little girl goes to his older sister, and says, "What's the um, what's marriage relationships like between you and your husband?" Right? He says, and she says, "Don't. I cannot explain it to you. When you're older, you'll. When you get married, you'll know." That's Ramakrishna's way of describing religion. In the beginning, how can you, at an improper age, that experience is not possible, not appropriate, also, and not possible, also. Right? When you're older, arrangements will be made, and you'll, you'll also know what this, what the experience is like. So this is what the yogi the That, that your own, eventually, you, when you have your own experience, then you'll know sometimes out of compassion such people who have this knowledge will try to share it with you oh it's so wonderful right but that's almost all they can say about it it's very wonderful encouraging you, encouraging you right. and so it's a, it's a knowledge not based so it's it's so it's uh, uh, love, so in the yoga in the bhakti sutra love of god itself is described as its own proof here it says the god of love is his own proof it's just saying it in a different way right Let's continue here. Let's see. He as love is self evident and requires no proof to demonstrate the existence of the beloved to the lover. We sometimes quote there's a Bob Marley song. Mm-hmm. I have to quote the Bible and Bob Marley, <laughs> at the same time. Right. Is that uh, he who, what is it? He who, he who knows it, he who feels it knows it, Lord. I think is the line. Right, the same thing that that the uh, knowledge of God comes from its own real, its its own realization, and what's interesting because the argument for and against God's existence, if you if you talk to a, a bhakti yogi who, who claims who's claiming, uh, yes, I know God, right? What do they know? What can, what's the evidence of that? What do, all they can prove is that their experience of love of God, right? Their experience of God is not proof that it's not proof that that being exists externally. It's, uh, it's proved that they, their love of God is its proof, right? The experience is the proof, not an object. And that's a problem is that we try to make God a provable object, right? <clears throat> God, whether, whether, but Vedanta and all the systems, they say, what's the, what's the uh, characteristics of God or the qualities of God? They call it satchitananda, right? So that means existence, not something that exists. It's existence. You know, this microphone exists, maybe. Even hard to prove the microphone. It's hard to prove the microphone exists, <laughs> right? Right. But existence, you can It's not. It's not a thing to exist, right? And and the claim of those who claim to know the thing itself, or the existence itself, say that the only way to know it is to know it. That's also the second part, the chit part. Knowing it is, and then knowing it, its existence, is the third part. Ananda, wonderful. He as love is self-evident and requires no proofs to demonstrate the existence of the beloved to the lover The magistrate gods of other forms of religion may require a good deal of proofs to prove them I like that, the magistrate gods <coughs> The magistrate gods of other forms of religion may require a good deal of proofs to prove them But the Bhakta does not and cannot think of such gods at all to him, God exists entirety, entirely as love. None, and then he quotes from the None, O Beloved, loves the husband for the husband's sake. I get right verse? The right chapter? It's for the sake of the self who is in the husband, that the husband is loved. None, O Beloved, loves the wife for the wife's sake. The sake for the self, that the wife who is in the wife, that the wife is loved. The one we 're loving it is said by some that selfishness is the only motive power behind all human activities uh, that's actually the other option right and that's the most common that's the modern view right both psychologically economically right you know uh, um, biologically that the, the 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 life runs upon selfishness and then and 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 then we we've we've uh arranged ourselves in societies that, that, that we can mutually benefit from our personal selfishness and therefore the society. And there's something, I mean, we could see that that it's potentially and maybe in certain situations may kind of work, but doesn't really work. But uh, uh, this is not the, uh, 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 it's not a very nice worldview. You know? This is not the lover's worldview. It is said by some that selfishness is the only motive power behind all human activities. But Samaji says, even that, even that view that actually everything we do is only for our own benefit is only self, we're all selfish means trying to get pleasure and happiness, and security, and to propagate, right? Uh, 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 and and, and uh, But even that, Samaji does not. Samaji is so liberal. He even sees that also as love, right? So he says, that also is love, though it has been lowered by being particularized. When I think of myself as, a, as comprehending the universal, there can surely be no selfishness in me. But when, by mistake, I think that I am something little, my love becomes particularized and narrowed. The mistake consists in making, in making the sphere of love narrow and contracted. All things in the universe are of divine origin and deserve to be loved. It has to be. This ha, it has to be borne in mind, however, that the love of the whole includes the love of the parts. When we love the parts, we're really trying to love. This is a chapter we read a couple weeks ago on the on the order that the the uh, particular and the the uh, and the and the universal. We're looking for the universal even in the particular. Right? and so when we when we love the particular. Start to talk. I mean, it's kind of abstract language, but this I'm just reading with some, I mean, this is a chapter around when we're trying to love the particular, we're really loving the, the universal. We're searching for the universal. Right. But when we love the universal, the particular is included. Right. Like if we see a leaf of a plant of a tree, right? Oh, it's so beautiful. Really by loving a flower or a leaf of a tree, we're loving the tree. Right. But if we, if, well, if we love the tree, all the, all the flowers, branches, leaves, everything is included. And there's a problem, like if this is a classic example that uh, uh, Vaishnava sadhus have given, of that of watering. If you want to water uh, a tree, should, like, oh, I love this flower on the tree, let me pour water on it. Let me give it food, fertilizer on it. Right? It doesn't benefit. Right? It's not that that, but if you water the tree, the leaves also benefit. you water the roots, the leaves will benefit. That so by worshipping the universe, by loving the universal, all the particulars are worship. By loving the particulars, that's also good. But what are you really loving in particular? You're loving the universal, just in a small, particularized way. The whole is the god, the whole, this whole is the god of the bhaktas. And all the other gods, this is beautiful, all the other gods, fathers in heaven, rulers or creators, all the theories and doctrines and books have purpose, have no purpose and no meaning for them, seeing, seeing that they have, through their supreme love and devotion, risen above those things altogether. Not just books and doctrines, but even all the ide- God, gods of fathers and rulers of heaven. These are all the different conceptions of God. Right? Even these are left behind. Okay. When the heart is purified and cleansed and filled to the brim with the divine nectar of love, all the other ideas of God become simply... Uh, puerile, and are rejected as being inadequate and unworthy. Such is indeed the power of para bhakti or supreme love. The perfected bhakta no longer goes to see God in temples and churches. He knows no place where he will not find Him. So, actually, you should all make your donations before you read. Continue. Get to the stage, because then you'll. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a pro- this is actually some people accuse. Well, the reason this is not taught because then churches will lose their their, <laughs> their membership dues, right? There's a funny story I'm just remembering. Uh, it's in the it's in the um, the larger tradition of the Bhagavatam. I don't think it's actually in the Bhagavatam verses itself. It may be in the um, Bhagavat Mahapian perhaps. But our Guruji Samyomananda he tells a story. He says that um, uh, 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 when Vyasa was going to sp- looking for somebody who he to speak the Bhagavatam to, who's the qualified person to teach the supreme science uh, bhakti? He said, well, the only person I know is the one boy who's untouched by Maya, his own son, Suk- uh, Sukadev, right? But people, you know, not, not making a comment on, on modern political situation, but if you just give it to your son, or to a family member, what's his qualification? He'll be accused of, what is it called, <laughs> ne- nepotism. Right right you know so he said that he needs to have he needs to, but he's the only qualified person and I say but everybody's going to accuse oh I'm te- you're teaching it only to your to your son right he's not qualified so he said I better send my son to a qualified teacher to get credentials so he sent him to King Janak right already so ready cuz uh, Sukadev is a is a is a is a naked paramahansa so sort of like supreme like that and so it, it took great humility to he had to go and, 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 and become a disciple of a king of a householder Right, so that, and so, if he learns from him the Vedas, Puranas, like this, and and then the Bhagavatam, then he he can he be shown to have the qualification to therefore learn the Bhagavatam and therefore teach the Bhagavatam. This is how we get the Bhagavatam. So, but the verse that I'm remembering is um, 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 uh, 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 King Janaka says the tradition is after you learn this knowledge, then you give the guru Dakshina. you give the the dues to the guru, and you go but I want, you to, I want my Guru Dakshina first, right before you start. Because this is very, this is unusual. It's a scripture state. You know, it describes you first. You go, at the, end of the, at the end of the teaching, the Guru gives you blessings to live in this world, and you give your Dakshina and you leave, right? But he said, no, no, no. Said, the problem, when I teach you, right, I'll teach you this bhakti, this Parabrahman, this, uh, this highest knowledge, the higher knowledge, right? You'll see no distinction anywhere, right? Even, be, even he says, even between me and you, you see no distinction, right? And you won't, and you won't think to pay my dues. <laughs> so first pay, and then I'll teach you, like, which is beyond <laughs> guru and disciple. You know? So just a little bit. Sorry, I just came to my mind. Uh, uh, when the heart is purified and cleansed and filled to the brim with the divine nectar of love, all other ideas of God simply become uh, puerile and are rejected as being inadequate and unworthy. Or unworthy. Such indeed is the power of Pada Bhakti, supreme love. The perfected Bhakti no longer goes to a church just goes to see God in temples or churches, he knows no place where he will not find him. He finds him outside the temple as well as in the temple. He finds him in the wicked man's wickedness as well as in the saint's saintliness. Because he, he sees him already seated in glory in his own heart as the one almighty, in inextinguishable light of love which is ever shining and eternally present this is the this is described here as the uh, uh, some, not but this is what's known as paragati, paramgati this is the ultimate goal this, that idea that we we not only could we see god we try to see god in a holy place can we see god in, a, in, in an unholy place actually no because unholy unholy places don't exist Right, that's the thing. We we, can, we go into it. The problem we try to, we we think, oh, I'm going to practice some some radical tantric form and try to see God and unclean things. And, and like this is not this. at this stage. There's no clean. There's no unclean. There's no pure. There's no impure. There's no good. There's no bad. We can try to wait to see God and the good and see God and the bad. That's a good. That's our practice. Taking this an ideal. How do we see it? Okay, this is this is not this is not this is not the, the same thing. When you see. This is we quoted last week from Rabia when he asked, "Do you love God?" Yes. "Do you hate the devil?" No, right? Because what do you mean you don't hate the devil? It's in the scriptures. You have to hate the You have to fight the devil. He says, i I only God has removed all hatred. I only see God. I don't hate anybody, right?" This is the idea that there's no devil anymore. Continue. Like, uh, the chapter now is human representations of divine love. It is impossible to express the nature of the supreme and absolute ideal of love in human language. Even the height, the highest flight of human imagination is incapable of comprehending it in all it in all its infinite perfection and beauty. The height, the highest flight of human imagination is incapable of comprehending it, its infinite perfection and beauty. It is impossible to express the nature of the supreme and absolute ideal of love in human language actually Takor said many times is that the that uh, uh we have this idea in something uh, when something touches your mouth it becomes unclean right not so much in the west but in the sense of, you know, that you can't you, you, once you touch uh you like uh once you touch your mouth you can't touch food uh, no, nobody else will touch that food it becomes unclean because which right means oh uh, sorry or uh, uh, juta, it, it's unclean, right? He says, Sri said, actually, God is the only thing that's never become juta or uh, uh, uchista. He's never, God has never touched anybody's lips, right? The, the highest expressions and realizations and experiences and emotions of love has never been polluted. He says, being spoken means become polluted. It can't be spoken, right? We speak so many things, but we never actually speak that. Uh, and then there 's a beautiful a little bit related a beautiful uh, passage in in some about Swami Vivekananda where he 's talking about his own guru about Sri Ramakrishna. and he says you know it 's like I feel disgusted with myself that I read books right i 'm eating left dirty leftover from other people 's plates right my, my guru never never did that right and you know it 's like he had direct he had direct experience he didn 't he, did, he didn't touch anybody, he, he, he didn't depend on other books and other people's words. These are unclear. Um, but also, they're not only the other people's, they're, they're unclear because they, they've already been sold to be spoken in human language, they've already been lowered tremendously. Right. We take also, still we, take, we thank God that some of the saints have spoken something. But, they, but it's, even Sri Ramakrishna is saying that even his divine words are not really the not He can never put expressions to them. Even the highest fly of the human imagination is capable of comprehending it in all its, its, all its infinite perfection and beauty nevertheless the followers of the religion of love in its higher and lower forms in all countries have all along had to use an adequate human language in all its varied forms and had to make it typify this inexpressible divine love the, thank God the saints of all religions of, of this religion of love the true religion of love They've used, although impossible to speak in human language, they've used human language, and by using human language, they also use, like examples, examples like, like uh, uh, actually, some of you will describe the different bhavas. You know, it's like oh, God, is, our religion with God is like a child to its mother, or a father to its child, or uh, between lovers, right? You read, you know, you look at the gopis of Vraj. You know, that it, it's spoken in the, in the language of romance. It's not exactly that. It's not that at all, actually. But there's nothing. That's the only thing that comes. That's the only language that comes close. So they use this language. They use uh, like this. Nay, human love itself, in all its varied forms, has has been made to typify this inexpressible divine love. Man can think of divine things only in his own human way. To use the uh, to us, the absolute. Can, the, to us, the absolute can only be can be expressed only in our relative language. And this is one of if you're like are always looking for our favorite so on the line, This is one of them. The whole universe is to us the writing of the infinite in the language of of the finite. That's a great line. The infinite expressing itself in the language of the finite. That's the universe. So we use the language of the, the finite to describe the infinite naturally. I love this line. Man can re-repeat. Man can only. Man can think of divine things only in his own human way. To us, the absolute can be expressed only in our relative language. The whole universe is to us a writing of the infinite in the language of the finite. Therefore, bhaktas make use, in relation to God and His worship through love, of all the common terms associated with the common love of humanity. Some of the great writers. On bhakti have tried to understand and experience this divine love in a number of different ways. So now he's now Swamiji is going to describe what's called the uh, Panchabhavas. These are the five uh, in the Vaishnava tradition, especially they uh, describe these are five primary um, uh, relationships we have with God, and there each one there is a great examples of these relationships and and. Uh, and some people have only primarily one relationship. This is their relationship with God, but no relationship like I'm I have a relationship uh, with one of you, but it's not just that Right, you know, so it our relationship. It's always mixed. Our relationship with God even more mixed. These are these are extremely limited ways of speaking, but they work. The lowest form and also the idea of lower and higher, they are uh, um, stratified but if one one if, if one in one of these bhavas of these sentiments realizes God, it's, it's not lower or higher. It's you know. But there you'll see what it meant by lower and higher here. But the lowest form in which th- this love is appreciated is that which is called peaceful or shanta, shanta baba. When a man worships God with without the fire of love in him, without its madness in his brain when his love is just a calm, commonplace love, a little higher than, than mere forms and ceremonies and symbols, but not at all characterized by the madness of intense, intensely active love, it is said to be shanta, peaceful. So interesting. So, and, a uh, great last sentence here. We see some people in the world who like to move on slowly, and others who come and go like, like the whirlwind the shantabhav is calm peaceful and gentle so sometimes uh, the example that's given of shantabhav is like the rishis right living in the forest right and in, in 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 gentle calm contemplation of the absolute right beholding the the the, the, the yeah, with their mind flowing towards god but in just this this in in, in a peaceful way not not a turbulent way Right, emotionally mature way, <laughs> right? A calm, gentle, right. So, but if somebody tells you, "I hope your life is calm and gentle. You never have any passionate longing and stirring and conflict in your heart." That's a curse, not a blessing, you know. <laughs> right? But sometimes it's still great, still great, but <laughs> but it's not. You can see. Very, but some people, that's their nature. That's their, They're not. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh. And actually, and and all this drama you know it's like the people you know you people go they 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 go to church they pray they think of god they feel uh, a great satisfaction in the faith uh, 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 uh of their religion and, and 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 nourishment from their their tradition uh and then somebody else with the same religion of the church down the street where they're shouting and speaking in tongues and picking up picking up serpents you know that's also that's Incredible, you know. Like, it's not Chantabha, it's its own Baba. I don't know exactly, but it's a Chantabhava. not Chantabha. Right. The next type, so the next higher type is that of Dasya, Dasya Baba. It comes when a man thinks that he is a servant of the Lord. The attainment of the faithful servant to the Master is his ideal, the servant of God. So, who's, so the one that's given, oh Lord, you are the master, I am your servant. I simply want to serve. Right. So who's the famous example of Dasyaba or a famous example? Hmm? Hanuman. Hanuman is Hanuman, always given as a great example of Dasyaba. Hanuman had all the bavs mixed up for sure. right? But he is usually think of, he's the Das of Ram. He's only a servant. only wants to do Ram's will. Right? And therefore he completely forgets himself, only wants to do Ram's will not serving God so he can get something, he simply, he cannot help but serve God, exuberantly. Right. <clears throat> Actually, you see, this is, the Dasyabhav can, can correct a major mistake, right, uh, or a or, or, uh, monartha, uh, some knot in the heart. Our knot in the heart is the ego wants to be served. We want to be in the center. We want to be in control. We think we're in control. We think everybody should serve us and do what we want and love us and adore us. We're popular, lots of likes, <laughs> shares. <us. laughs> like I'm pretty sure a thousand people will watch this video before I'm finished. You know, we want everybody to... You know, so this is the idea of wanting to be in the center. But even that has the real... Because the self is the center of everything, but not the way we think. Right? It's polluted right now. Right and but and, and, so Dashabhav changes it. Not what is it? Not I but nahum. thou. What did Thakur say? Nahum Naham to Naham Naham to whom to whom? Right. Not I, not I, but thou, thou. Right. And then some Chakra gives a very strange story about a cow. We won't go over the, the the beating of the cow and the leather it's the whole thing where a cow starts saying I and eventually it's, it's through many, many levels of suffering, eventually I won't go through the graphic details, it's a mom, sacred cows, right? It becomes leather, it's leather gets you, becomes a drum, and, and the drum go, gets being used at the temple, going to whom, to whom, and it's suffering ends. I'm not telling the full story, it's an elaborate, elaborate uh, story, right? but how it goes from, we say I, we say I, I, we suffer. Eventually we say you, you, then suffering ends, right? So that's a major, it's, it's, it's very useful, because it's also, true right we're not the center we want to be the center but we're not really the center our center is the center that's the problem so it's, even that is based upon reality but the I and the ego are not the real eye and the ego are not always the same thing the ego wants to be worshipped so dasya and so Sri Ramakrishna also went through this dasya stage or not stage he went through da, the sadhana of the dasya baba it says that under um one of his gurus. We don't always think of him as one. we always think of the guru as Tota or uh, tantric guru, but one of his guru was Jatadari. He was a Vaishnava Baba, a big Jatadari means big Jatta. I would point to mine, but something I don't know what happened. <laughs> I woke up one morning, disappeared. But uh, uh, uh. So, Jat, so Jatadari was a worshipper of Ram, and so it, with his, with under uh, during his sadhana. Uh, inspired, but the that he had a couple different babas. Another one's coming, but Saliya Baba. He had baby Ram that he worshipped, but he also went to say where he was worshiping, like Hanuman. He wasn't worshiping Hanuman. He was worship, He was Hanuman, right? He, his mood was Hanu. He became Hanuman or like Hanuman, so much so that he would, he would uh, jump. He would sleep in trees and jump around and make noises. He grew a tail, grew a tail even it <laughs> says, Right, uh, uh, that his a uh, uh, tailbone grew extended for a short period of time right, that he wouldn't, he'd eat fruit that wasn't cut, he just, like, he looked the way monkeys eat, so it's a strange, we don't really think but Sri Ramakrishna was not the classic example of Shanta Baba, he had every, <laughs> every uh, hurricane of divine emotion entered his body and mind so much so that he said that if you experience one-tenth of what I've experienced, you die our nervous system can't handle right, we can, uh, but in, so, so he also went through this Dasya Baba, and even toward the Divine Mother he entered this stage he, that of a um, uh, Maid-servant, right? Shaky and maid is a mixture between servant and friend. That's another one of the... So all these Babas are all mixed, right? But he was also the female attendant. He dressed in sari. Yeah, he even dressed in fem- in female clothing like this and behaved this way, trying to become Ma's attendant. Because the Divine Mother... Of course, we can all we, all, we can all go visit the Queen. We go into her... We gestures properly. We get introduced properly, brought into her presence, make our petitions, find out her... her uh, she stamps are approved or not approved and then send this on our way. That's how you approach a queen, right? To know, to have intimate relationships with, with her. You can be her child, but we're not her child. I mean, in, in, in the regular, so, but the most we can think of, oh, if, I, if I can become her servant, if I can be in her court, I can be um, uh, not just a person bringing people in and out and bringing like, what if I can like help put on her, help her get dressed in the morning, right? And, and put on her makeup. Right. This is also a type of dasyabhava, right? That's a very intimate relationship with the queen of the universe. That's not the queen of the universe. She's not a friend. She's the master or the mistress. But there's so much intimacy even in that relationship. You know. dasya bhava. The next type of love is sakya. Sakya means friendship. Friendship. Thou art our beloved friend. Just as a man opens his heart to his friend and knows that the friend will never chide him for his faults, but will always try to help him, just as there is the idea of equality between him and his friends, so equal love flows in and out between the worshiper and his friendly God. This God Thus God becomes our friend, the friend who is near, the friend to whom we may freely tell all our tales of our lives, before whom we may place our innermost secrets of our heart, hearts. With the greatest assurance of safety and support, he is the friend whom the devotee accepts as an equal. God is viewed here as our playmate. So this is interesting. You know, God. We thought God's our friend, our loving friend. We think like that. But what does it really mean to have this real relationship? A friend. In 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 Krishna lila, there's there's stories where. Krishna is, is um, you know, he goes out with his friends. The eight, nine years. This is a Leela, they're around eight, nine years old. Seven years old, eight years old. And they take the, uh, the cows out and they, take, they, have, they, send, they go with a picnic. And the appropriate sports at that time, you, you, one of the sports is you play hide and seek. Another one is you wrestle, right? And so they're wrestling. So who are they wrestling with? They're wrestling with Bh- uh, Krishna, to Bhagavan Swam. He's directly God Himself, the infinite God Himself, right? But they're wrestling with Him. And so do they know he's God? Maybe they know he's God. We know, I mean, if we, if we read the story know he's God, they probably knew something too. You know, <laughs> they were in the story, right? But in some stories, some versions say they pin him down in the wrestling, and they win. And they even pin him down and says, ah, they think you're God. Get out of this one. And he can't, right? Because, because, of the, because love, love, here love is the most important part of God is love. And here the relationship is not all powerful. It's best friend is the most important part and best friend is way higher than all-powerful right Sri Ramakrishna said that the the more intense your love the the idea of God being all-powerful goes down we use, we've said this many times but Thakr said that in the beginning you think of God was like Durga with ten arms all each arm representing some divine power majesty power uh, um, creation punishment all these these tremendous powers is the, the ruler of the universe right but then as your love and intimacy grow, then become smaller and smaller and smaller a friend. Then eventually we'll get the next one coming and give you a hint become Baby Krishna, he says. Baby Krishna is a different thing altogether. Where is the power in Baby Krishna? Right? Right. Uh, even not only us as adults, we can definitely control him. <laughs> even his but even his friends sometimes sometimes sometime he wins, sometimes they win. That's the way it works. Right? So it's a very uh, so is it true? I mean, thing we all, oh, we just, we just think, you know, that we're, we're thinking we're superimposing our human relationships and talk, we're, in a certain sense, we're superimposing our relationship on, on the infinite, right? Or the infinite is our friend. This is, this is more true than the idea that he's all powerful and we're, is, uh, uh in, in infinitesimal sparks meant to have some service or, uh, relationship like that. Uh, this is actually... Closer to the reality of love, love. If love is a reality of God, this is a higher form of love, right? Where it's not based upon. Once again, love knows no fear, love knows no bargaining, love knows no equal. In 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 dasya, you can, you can there, there could be fear, punishment from them. You can serve somebody out of fear, out of recognizing they're very powerful. There's a famous uh, um, great uh, sermon, or a theological sermon in 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 a. In a uh, Mighty Python movie right, right. So, and, and, and the, sermon, the, the sermon goes, oh God, I, I'm not getting it perfe- perfectly, last time I, last week, last week I talked about the sermon, what is it, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, this and I'll do a new, a new, a new sermon, it says, oh God, gosh you're huge, It's a great line, we're mighty impressed down here. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's obviously a parody, right? But, but it's a parody because the reason it's funny, I was on the floor cracking up when I first, I came to Mighty Python movies late, I have to admit. Some, of, some people here had a higher birth. <laughs> uh, uh, could, could, but uh, it was, it's funny because that's so much of religion is couched like that. Gosh, you're huge, we're mighty impressed down here. Right, that's, that's really, but that's, it's true god's huge and really impressive mm-hmm. right that's a good first first realization that there's something huge and and, and in comparison we're really tiny and wow right mm-hmm. and maybe a little scary maybe we're to deal with it properly right but as love increases and more intimacy and, and 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 fear goes down affection increases then like our friends our friends i remember one one swami told me he's like oh uh 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 a friend is somebody you can you can um, inconvenience. That's the is like If you can come to their house without calling, knowing you're an inconvenience, that's a, you know that's what, it's, it's like you knew we never do that. Like, oh no no no, we should have to call, make sure they're okay. You know, you know. Uh, uh, but and actually that's a and in, 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 I've what is it? One Swami, Swami, maybe Ishtananda, when he first came from India. He's now, he's Ramakrishna Mission he's, I think he's now in Florida, perhaps, running right the Florida Center. But I remember when he first came, we asked him, Samaji, what's how do you find America? Do you find it different? Of course, America is a little different than India, right? And he says, no, so he, was his, he said, the point I find in America is different, is that um, here we ask permission before, we, before going, visiting someplace. But we can leave whenever we want. And in India, you can come whenever you want, but you have to have permission to leave. Right? That's a very, and it's, it's, it's t- totally true. Without permission, you can't leave somebody's house. You can go anytime. And actually, the more inconvenient you are, the, the more affection you have for them. That means that you, that you have that relationship with them. Right? I, I, I've been in many situations where, where, uh, where the way I showed love and showed effect to them is to inconven- come when I'm not... I've shown up as like, oh you've come, <laughs> like, like great, <laughs> right, and then and immediately like what well, can I get you and then you ask for something that they don't have, and they have to go out and get it, you know, like that, that actually shows affection, right, a type of level of relationship. We think we can't do that to God, right, but, but many, but some of the great saints did that to God, right. This is a higher, this is a higher form, higher than in, Sram, in Swami Vivekananda's stratification, he's saying this is even higher than that of Dasya we may well say that we are all playing in this universe. Just as children play their games, just as the most glorious kings and emperors play their own games, so is the beloved Lord himself playing in this universe. He is perfect. He does not want anything. Why should he create? Activities with us is always for the fulfillment of a certain want, and want always presupposes imperfection. God is perfect. He has no wants. Why should he go on with this incessant work of creation? This is a big challenge of... of, um, In classical Advaita Vedanta, like, okay, what about this creation? There is no creation. How could there be... Well, obviously there is no creation. No, there is no creation. There can't be creation because creation... Why would Brahman create? Right, because you you do something because there is a lack. and Therefore you create, you, you, you you do something only because you find a lack and there can be no lack in Brahman. You do this because you want to. There can be no desire in Brahman. Right? Therefore, there's no creation. There, So, everybody can go, we can stop right here. <laughs> right, Yet yeah. yeah, we find a creation. So, in Kashmir Shaivism, they, they gave a slightly different, to the same point, they answered in, in the debates the, uh, between Vedanta and Shaivism, which is also a non-dualistic school, but it's a tantric school of non-dualism. It says, no, actually, this is the, that... Uh, uh, the desire to act or the impetus to act is not a fault, right? A child doesn't play because... Sometimes we act, very often because out of selfish desire, out of need or boredom or lack, hunger, you know, whatever it is, desire, right? But a child, he plays because he plays. It's his nature. It's intrinsic, right? And so they call that shakti, uh, Svatantriya. Swatantriya it means, it means, now we, in, in common language, it means free will. That's how translates. It, has been... Kind of modernly used, even in uh, "Don't take away your free will." We'd use the word svatantriya but svatantriya so "sattantriya" is considered the primary shakti of, within. That that's that's primary, and from that, he's just out of his own nature, spontaneous nature, not out of lack of something, right? Of, so the only thing we could, only thing we have an example of that is placefulness. Even that may just be a human projection on something. There's no other way to explain it because in our relationships and our experiences. It seems that it's that's the closest we get to a child playing or a, a bird singing, right? Maybe it, maybe we know it's doing that in order to attract a mate. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just out of the joy of singing. Who knows? Maybe it is pleasure. There's no there's no lack. It's just. Uh, and so this svatantrya shakti is said that's the, the that's the primary shakti. That's the what they call spanda, the first vibration within consciousness, is svatantrya shakti, right? It's desired to. In the Vedas it says, I am one, let me become many, right? It's not, I am one and lonely, right? <laughs> I, need somebody, I need people to worship me and offer me coconuts of Kali Mandir. right? Therefore, let me create everything. It's not, it says, I am one, it's just its own nature, its own nature. Part of being one is being many, right? That's the Ananda factor, right? Ananda requires, an- Ananda is, is, is experiential, it needs something to experience must that's intrinsic to sat and Chit. In within the one there has to be many. There has to be creation. There has to, and we describe it as playing. Our, my Guruji had a had a, a, a small book, uh, What is Life? Right? And he had 108. He has many other definitions, but Sami Paramananda edited down to 108. He chose the best 108. An auspicious number. And he gives all kinds of definitions. Life is this, life is a search for the absolute, life, is, you know. But the one he liked, I think it starts. Life is a play, that was his favorite, right? But if you push him on it, it's like is life really a play? You know, it's like n- life is none of these things. We don't. Life is inconceivable. One of the, one of the definitions. Life is inconceivable. One of the definitions. Life is undefinable. <laughs> Can't be known, right? But we think this is the closest we can get to it. This is a very not only closest. It's sublime. It's it's a, it's so refined if we think about it. So joyful. Life is a play. Why should he go on with his incessant work of creation? What purpose could he have in view? The story of God's creating the world for some end or other that like we imagine are good as stories, but not otherwise. Is it it is all really sport. The universe is merely his play. The whole universe must after all be a big a big piece of pleasing fun to him. This whole thing must be otherwise why do it? It must be fun. That's why he's doing it. If you are poor, so th- so this is tricky because then then we have to be a little careful because we can't use this, it's like uh, like what are people are suffering? Oh, it's God's play. Right? What about the Holocaust? Oh, God's play. Let it go. You know, it's like also the play is also being really upset about the Holocaust and try to end people suffering. That's also his play, right? This is play here means his expression. He's playing all the parts, right? And in the parts, in the story, there's some people, uh, uh, um. You know, in any good story, there's bad guys, there's good guys, there's victims, and there's victors, and and the whole the whole thing, right? Uh, the problem is, when we, we find ourselves in in the suffering role, right? It's hard to enjoy the suffering role, right? But so we have to be tricky not to use this to to justify people suffering like this. But uh, so it's but it, it's talking about the, the the way the view of the, of the of, the, of the highest bhakti would see it like this. If you are poor, enjoy being poor as fun. If you are rich, enjoy the fun of being rich. If dangers come, it is, all good. It is also good fun. If happiness comes, there is, there is more good fun. The world is just a playground and we are all having good fun. Having a game. And God is playing with us all the while. And we are playing with Him. God is our eternal playmate. How beautiful he is playing. The play is finished when the cycle comes to an end. At, the, at Mahapralaya. There is, there is rest for a short or longer time. Again, all comes out. Uh, there is rest for a shorter or longer time. Again, all comes out and play. This is the creation and destruction of the universe Is all this play. Right. What is it? Swamiji, you, Swami, you sometimes quote Turiyanaanda, that scene with Swami Ananda where Thakur sang or something about a song about this, this this whole world is just a play of the divine mother. Didn't he say something like, uh, "Yeah, but this play, her play is our death," something like this. There's a line. He's like, "It may be God's play, but I mean, for us, it's like death. <laughs> like we're not. It's not fun. It's not always fun." And then Swami asked, "But but who are you?" Right. So this is. We can only imagine what that question, what was the answer to that question, but who are you playing this? Who is the you that's suffering? Right, that, that, that's a bigger question. It is only when you forget that, all the, that it is all a play that you are, and that you are also helping in the play, it is only then that misery and sorrows come, that the heart becomes heavy and the world weighs upon you with tremendous power. But as soon as you give up your serious belief in the reality of the changing incident of the three three minutes of life and know it to be but a stage on which you are playing helping him to play at once misery ceases for you. He plays in every atom. He is playing when he is building up earths and suns and moons. He is playing with the human heart with animals, with plants. We are his chessmen. He puts the chessmen on the board and shakes them up. He arranges us. He arranges us first in one way, and then in another. And we consciously or unconsciously help in his play. And oh, an oh bliss! We are his playmates. Quite a idea. Like Sri Ramakrishna in some places, he, he this is a uh, esoteric uh, topics that Sri Ramakrishna talked about. He says, actually, the, the the Krishna's words for this world, right? The relative world, the mundane world, or the seemingly mundane world. He called it the the lila, right? And lila usually means lila means play, and usually lila means like the divili, like like Krishna playing with the gopis or in the in the heavenly realms, like this. But actually, this world also he called the lila, and we know that because when when M when in the Katamrita, the first time it's used lila, parentheses in Eng, in English says, "What is it? Uh, phenomenal phenomenal world. world." He put not only he translates what "lila" means in Bengali, he puts it in English. "Lila" equals phenomenal world, and he says, "And then there's the nitya. This is the, absolute. the absolute, right? So the the eternal or the absolute. So that's a that simple thing. So you have, the, you have the absolute and then the phenomenal world. But even though that language for the phenomenal, the the the, the absolute, the nitya, the eternal, beyond time, and the play within time, and, and the play within time, the okay. language itself." But the relative is play, right? <clears throat> and then we have the idea of the Nitya Lila. Nitya lila is is, is uh, and usually we treat Nitya Lila, is this. so the Nitya is the eternal and the Lila is the, the relative. The Nitya lila is the play of the eternal, right? Or the eternal play. So usually we think oh somebody has entered Nitya lila. meaning that when, they, when a saint has died they've gone to the one they meditate, and they're meditating on Krishna and Radha. And Krishna, they've gone to the realm of Radha. They've entered the Nitya. That that in the eternal, in the in the internal world, the play goes on continuously, right? Krishna, the Lord is always singing and dancing with his best friends in 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 the high in, in, in the absolute world, right? Not in. But sometimes, we, uh, uh, uh. so that's one way of using the Nitya That the eternal play is going on. But the Nitya Lila is a real. Also, Chakra uses it as a realization in this world. That this that the that that. The difference between the lila, the relative manifestation, and the absolute, we have to understand. But then at a stage of subtlety, we see that this world is the play of the absolute. Right? Or what did what did the Sami? A very nice, um, uh, uh, the whole universe is to us writing of the infinite, in the language of the, of the finite, the same idea, right? The, the, inf- the infinite in the finite. That's called nitila. This So this is the Nitila. And you can say, is it, but this world, Nitya means eternal, means, kind of means eternal, right? Nitya means eternal. What does eternal mean? Eternal means everlasting, going on a long time. Or, eternal means right, all the time being done, right? Eternal also means beyond time. So that's all three meanings have to be understood by Nitya Lila. And what does it mean by eternal? So just the other day, we were, I have time for this or not. Um, um, we're studying uh, in the Gita the 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 this this world is described as an upside down ashwata tree a banyan tree right and so uh, i, I described and it just gives a description but it's interesting and then it just said but this tree has to be cut down describe this tree what its root it said its roots are ups, up, up above and its branches and leaves down below that's so strange so it's obviously it's a symbolic tree right and its roots what it, above means in brahman its tap root is in brahman this whole thing—it means this whole root, that's tree of the phenomenal world, of the world of Maya, of Samsara, the Samsara tree—which Krishna says, with a with a sharp axe of discrimination, cut down, or detachment, cut down, right? Uh, but its roots in Brahman, right? So it's like it's it's coming; it's the it's the manifestation of Brahman. That's the ver- version of the, of the Gita. But then it's interesting. Shankaracharya gives an interesting uh, gloss of a term in it. This this term. For banyan tree is ashwata, right? You have you have banyan trees. Only person here has banyan trees is Gita, (laughs) she grows banyan trees. Ashwata, I think, right? And 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 so it says this ashwata is described as eternal. Krishna says the ashwata tree, this world is described as an ashwata tree that's eternal. Ashwata means not eternal, right? So the uneternal eternal tree, the very word is not eternal. It's very think of the the banyan tree. If you maybe if you, actually maybe I saw the largest banyan tree in the world was Gita twenty six years ago in Calcutta. Uh, what's that? Uh, where all the plants are where you took me? The botanical garden. botanical garden. Yes, right. It's one of the oldest trees. It's mentioned in Chinese literature. <laughs> this tree, right? And but it's and but it's gone, <laughs> right? Because the a, a banyan tree has this huge thing, and then it sends out other roots. Right, and then the, the even the the other the original tree burnt down years ago, maybe in a fire. But the other trees are still growing. So it seems to be eternal tree, although a tree is not eternal; it's going to die, right? But it seems to go on, right? That's another quality of the of, of the Maya, of, of the, the world itself. It's it seems to to be it's 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 not eternal. It's not real. It's not lasting. Yet it's eternal. It's always here. Right, The material world is, it never disappears. Right? There's, and no one says exactly, we think of God oh God's a creator, there's no creation. There's never a time that things didn't exist. The world always existed, the world never stopped existing. Yet nothing exists, nothing lasts. Right? For one second, everything, nothing here lasts even one second, yet it's always not lasting for one second. Right? The, 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 Maya, the, the, the world doesn't cease to exist. There's another aspect, another way of thinking of the Nitya Lila also, is that even though the world itself, Is only it's coming from that. It's only a manifestation of that. It's a lila of the of the nitya. But then this idea of God is playing, right? And then we are also part of his play, right? We're but we're chess pieces, but we're also playing consciously, right? We're we're conscious chess pieces, right? Because he didn't create just inanimate objects. He created animate objects, moving and unmoving, achala Chalat chala, right? The, the the term in Sanskrit, right? Moving and unmoving beings. So we're not we're not just statues or, or little clay figures. We're, we are clay figures, but we have we seem to be acting, right? So we can also take part in the play. So this becomes more interesting. So these are these are topics beyond the, the the discussion, but hinting a little bit. Uh, so Sri Ramakrishna used another term, the Nitra where the uh, where the play becomes conscious. Right, where the players also become part of the play, right? It's interesting. So you can see even like in a, I guess like in a in a in a in a, in a good production, there's also places for uh, improv, <laughs> right? You become one of the one of the players, and maybe that's what maybe that's why there exists a play in the first place, right? Maybe God wants it to be this way. He created the world so that the world, so he can enjoy all the parts and play all the parts. So, anyway. Okay. Read faster. The next type of love is what is known as vatsalya. Vatsalya bhava. Loving God not as our father, but as our child. This may seem peculiar, but it is a discipline to enable us to detach all ideas of power from the concept of God. Real love, love knows no fear. Right, so there can be no fear, right? Uh, all ideas of power and might and majesty, the Ashwarya, the, the majesty and glory of God. You know, we think God, oh God, how you gosh you're huge. It's designed this this Baba we developed above to destroy this this, this wrong this mistake. Right? It stops higher forms of, of, of love. The idea of power brings with it awe. On reverence, there should be no awe in love. The ideas of reverence and obedience are necessary for the formation of character. But when character is formed, when the the lover has when the lover has tasted the calm, peaceful love, and tasted also the little of love's intense madness, then he need not talk more of ethics uh, and discipline. The lover says he does not care to conceive of God as mighty, majestic, and glorious, as the Lord of the universe, or as the God of gods. It is to avoid this association with God as fear-creating sense of power, that he, is, that he, that he worships God as his own child. The mother and the father are not moved by awe in relation to the child. They cannot have any reverence for the child. They cannot think of anything of asking any favor of the child. The child's position is always that of the receiver. And out of love for him, the parents will give up their bodies a hundred times over. A thousand lives they will sacrifice for that one child of theirs. And therefore God is loved as a child. Interesting, not only is the idea of power removed... But a child, if we think that we want to give, every, our love has to only go to God, right? A child is only a receiver. That's the thing. He needs everything. I mean, not just a child. I mean, this is real. I mean, like, like, an, like today we had a little infant, the two-month-old, they, they, the first outing and they come to they bring it to the temple. But, you know, it's like if, if we put it there, it stays there. If we move it, it moves if, you know, like there's no there's no there's, it, it's, it could only do the parents and and hundred percent of the attention of the parents dotting parents doting doting parent dotting matter of the word right? constantly focused. there's a line in that book uh, ramakrishna and Christ I forget the name of the, the german author, uh, 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 German author he says that the God is friend he's creator he's uh, 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 Mother, he's father, he's like that. He says, "Aunt, big baby, all in one." This is <laughs> God's the <laughs> big baby. I like this line, right? And then he the thing is like we, we usually think we're, we're we're kneeling in front of God, right? We usually think kneeling in front of God, but at this level we're kneeling over God, right? Like like, like kneeling over a child, very different mood, right? And it's so sweet. There's a form of puja called Seva puja, and especially developed by the uh, Sampradaya. This is one of the important um, Vaishnava sampradayas. They highly developed as Vatsaliya Bhav also. it said actually Vatsaliya Bhav, sadhanas came primarily from this sect of, of Vaishnavism. Of that of worshipping Lala Gopal, Balagopal, the baby Krishna or baby Ram. It could be extended to baby Ram, even baby Ganesha, you know. And we have the infant Jesus and nativity, we, we can see it can be extended, right. But the baby Krishna, and I, I, we've, I, I think about it because we have a beautiful Lala, Lalaji, a small child. Uh, uh-uh. one one uh, example. One time, one um. I'll tell a story from 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 Berkeley. What's uh, that lady? went to her house. She's a great, very strong. She's a Vaishnav lady. Very. I forget her name right now, but she's like Shakti. You know, there's certain. You know, these these are like a leader in the Hindu community. She's power, a very powerful. Okay. And we went to her house for bhajans. We went. Uh, we had a bhajan program. And their living room, they had a nice picture of Radha and the gopis, and we didn't, they offered some food, we did, we sang bhajans for a couple hours, you know, and then she was going to feed us all as guests. And he said, I heard that she has, she worships baby Krishna, that's her specialty. And I said, can we see baby Krishna? I want to see Lalaji. He goes, oh, no, Swami, not possible. So this nine o'clock, little boy, he went to sleep at 6.30. <laughs> right, you know, like I said, not, not possible. How can you, he's a little boy. Right, you know, say we are adults; we can sit up singing His glories, but He has to go because He has to wake up early also. He has school in the morning. He to, <laughs> right? And our, our, uh, the other a few months ago, we had that Swami Sh- uh, Shivatmanandaji from Jinmai Mission here gave a beautiful talk, But he tells the story of his grandmother who also baby Krishna, also, uh, uh, and every morning she'd wake him up and bathe him and everything, and then she'd give him his lessons, his school lessons. And every day she'd read Bhagavad Gita to him, right? Because when he grows up, he's going to be asked some really hard questions, and he's going to have to know his answers. Her job, education, is required. You know, the idea of teaching God Bhagavad Gita, Krishna Bhagavad Gita, it seems absurd, and it is absurd. But it's not. It's way. It's actually more true, right? Because how is he going to learn? You know, he has to know. He's eventually. He's going to. Not every kid grows. Of course, he stays young forever. But <laughs> that's a trick. <laughs> I, I bet you, if we visit now, uh, 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 that lit in 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 Berkeley's Krishna is still going to sleep at six thirty. He hasn't grown up at all. Right. Uh, uh, uh. Or the, we've here. Somebody brought. I've told this thing because whenever I think about, it I tell the same group of stories because I, to me these are very endearing stories. Uh, um, somebody came. One very good Gujarati lady came. And she, she, she made, handmade a green dress for Gopal. Right? It was lots of sequins, you know, the typical ones that they have like that. But it was twice as big. It was for bigger, maybe her Gopal is bigger than our Gopal. So I made it for Gopal. So I immediately wanted to satisfy, because she made it by hand. So usually we put it on the tray, put it there, we put it in the closet, and on a puja day we bring it out, you know, that type of thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll put it on him right now, So be satisfied. And, you know, he's this big and the cloth is this big, so I just kind of draped over him. And I said, Mataji, it's too big. And then without moving, I'm sure, without thinking, she says, he'll grow into it. <laughs> right? He's a little boy. You know, just that thinking, thinking. If we think of him, we're supposed to buy things a little big for them. Now, it seems absurd. This is the most stupid, crazy, I don't know what religion you're teaching here. You know, like, but this is the sweet, it's actually, you think about it, this is the, 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 the intensity of love is so much greater than, oh, God, you're huge. Or, God, don't send me, don't burn me. Or, God, save me, even God save me. Right? Uh, or, God, love me it's not god love me let me cuz you have so much love whether the kid loves you or not who knows we'll see when he's, when he's 18 what he does <laughs> <laughs> whether we still love him when he's 18 we'll see what he does you know but at that age god is completely lovable completely dependent right if you don't bathe him he doesn't bathe if you don't feed him he doesn't eat you don't hear ma please you know uh, I, we we're struggling with work right please give me a good job so i can feed my children right you don't pray that to your child Right, you feed your, you figure somehow or another. I got to, got to get enough money to, to, to feed the child. Right. Very. Uh, 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 it's, it's actually, but actually, uh, uh, I don't remember this one Vaishnava Sadhu, Varshana uh, uh, Maharaj, is one the He said actually that that, he, that because the, the idea of God being our mother or God being our father, which is prevalent in Western tradition as well as in Hindu tradition, like we're shocked God is our mother, the God, mother goddess, right? Or the, fa- or the heavenly father, the, the father. He says these interesting are not mentioned in the in the Pancha Bhavas. right? They're not considered. Even 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 that of being a child is not considered. It's it's the truth. We are we come from mother. We come we, we come from her and we exist in her and we will return to her. This is the truth, and that that's an ontological truth. But it's still it's but the ideal of love of giving is not there. That of taking is still there, right? But he says actually, the idea of God as Father, God as Mother, is actually just a, re- a, 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 a reflection, a a, a a a like a, a like like um, like a tree uh, being reflected in water. It looks the opposite, right? Reflection in the material world of this Baba. This is the real Baba. God's not our mother. We're God's mother, right? You know, it reflected. We think, oh, God's our mother, right? You know, it's like, and, and so this is an interesting idea. This is the reflection. Uh, not perverted. Perverted meaning, not not judgmentally, you know, but a reflection of, 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 the original bhava of atsaliya But you, just like we, God's the real, the, the universal. And so Sri Ramakrishna also said that, what, like, if if you have a child, right, right, if you see your child also as God, right, then immediately you're serving God in the same. It's it's, it's immediately applicable. If you think, every mother thinks her child is like God, you know, but actually think it's actually God, right? And God has become even your, your human child, right? Then immediately your love it becomes above, right? It's, 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 it, you, can, you can jump over a thousand lives of sadhana. There's just this one idea of seeing an, a child while, while, while he's there. Immediately you get to that high point by this understanding. Okay. <clears throat> the next uh, above. The child uh, and therefore God is loved as a child. This idea of loving God as a child comes into existence and grows naturally among those religion sects, those religious sects which believe in the incarnation of God. For the Mohammedans it is impossible to have the idea of God as a child. They would shrink from it in a kind of horror. But the Christians and the Hindus can easily realize it easily because they have the baby Jesus and the baby Krishna. The women in India often look upon themselves as Krishna's mother. Christian mothers, Chris, Christian mothers also take may take up the idea that they are Christ's mother, and it will bring, and it will bring to the West a knowledge of God's divine motherhood, which they so much need. Interesting, that Christian mothers can also bring this. Right, we we know that God is a child in Christianity, but we don't think of ourselves as Mary. Right, but if we develop the same idea that uh, that we know Krishna's mother is Yashoda or Devaki, two main mothers, right? But if we think we can become Krishna's mother, so we can also become Jesus's mother, and that will bring, he says, that will introduce the reflection of that, which is that of motherhood, that God is mother. Interesting, the reflection of that thing. The superstition, the superstitions of on reverence in relation to God are deeply rooted in our heart of hearts. And it takes long years to shrink entirely in love, to sink entirely in love, in love our ideals of reverence and veneration. I didn't read that properly. The superstitions of awe and reverence in relation to God are deeply rooted in the hearts, in our hearts of hearts. And it takes long years to sink entirely in love our ideas of reverence and veneration, of awe and majesty and glory with regard to God. The superstition this idea that there are, that God is great and we're small and we have to obey and we have to worship and we have to serve, right? Or we'll be punished or we are hopefully be rewarded. You know, this idea is that this is he could, this is super we think, oh, this is worshipping maybe Krishna as if as if he depends on you. That's superstition. This is superstition. And it takes a long time to, to take to, to be so immersed to take those ideas and drown them. Right. Drown them in love. Mm. I think we probably should stop there Because the next one requires some more commentary So we've gotten four Babas Dasya, Noshanta Dasya Sakyat. Sakya so, who, oh, so Dasya, who's a friend of God? Who has this relationship? Arjuna, Arjuna is a classic example Right Vidura, these uh, uh, also in uh, uh, um, Sudama, in Krishna Lila, right? Uh, and 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 uh, and um, Vasali, Vasali, of course, a classic example is Mother Yashoda, like this, right? Mother Yashoda, Devaki and Yashoda were both Devaki and Vasudeva and Yashoda and Nanda. Were, these two couples were great yogis in past lives. They did thousands of lives, thousands of years of tapasya to get a boon to be the parents of Krishna. But they have slightly different boons. And slightly different boons were given to them. Devaki and and um, Vasudeva, they had boons like Vishnu be born as their son. Right? And so and they could be part of the Lila. And he was, right? And so they saw him, but when, as soon as they saw him, what how did he appear? Maha Vishnu forearms holding mace, club and and disc. Right? and it was it was a was a crown. That's so it said, right. And then he became a little child, right. So they saw both. They saw that he was the omnipresent God, all powerful, create Vishnu. The same, the one who holds up the universe, right. Who incarnates to save mankind from, 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 from suffering, right. To destroy the, the to the punish to destroy the wicked, to save the righteous. These are the powers of Vishnu, right. They knew that. And then when then he, he then Vishnu Krishna as Krishna gave a blessing. That I will now, you'll have to take me to uh, go look, right? To to uh, put me in in the bed in the lap of Yashoda. There's a whole story, we all know that story. But you will always, think of me all the time, love me and think of me while I'm gone, right? Think of me both as your child and as God, right? Know that I'm God, but know that God was born as your child. I think that's incredible, just that idea. He's infinite God and he was born in my body, in my, as my child. It's overwhelming, right? But Yashoda, and forgive, forgive me, dear, we know the names of the Rishis. I, don't, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't remember the name of the, of the Rishis. Yashoda and Ananda were also great yogis, standing on one foot for thousands of lives, thousands of years, and got Vishnu, and they also prayed, be born as my child, be born in my house, let me raise you. Like, but I asked a special moon that I never know your God. This is his special blessing. They had a higher love in a certain sense. Krishna was with Devaki, few minutes, but all the time in her mind, it's the awesome, awesome power of this miracle of the infinite God taking flesh, and became man and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Incredible, right? Philosophically, theologically, emotionally, spiritually, it's overwhelming. But but Yashoda asks, "May I not know Your God?" And you see, many times she sees them. When, when we know the story, take that mud out of your like. like Mother's job is to keep mud out of the baby's mouth, right? Don't eat that. Pull the mud out and sees the universe. Not just the universe, He sees infinite universes. And within those infinite universes, he sees the earth. And on that earth, she sees Yashoda taking mud out of opening Krishna's mouth. And within that mouth, he's another universe. <laughs> you know, it gets I mean, it's like, it's pretty trippy, you know? Very cosmic, right? Right? Uh, uh. And then she, but what happens? Immediately she sees that and immediately, like, it comes, she's back to say, and stop eating dirt. <laughs> Right, immediately it's clouded it again. That's his blessing. His yoga mind. She covered his mind, not because she was ignorant and couldn't hold the vision. Right, Arjuna. It says that he couldn't hold the vision. Right, that Yashoda could hold the vision. She, who knows what she had, what vision she. had She wanted. This is a better vision. Right, you know that. And, and so you think about it, Yashoda. We know in the story we we're, we're told we know Krishna to bhagavans. We know he's God, and therefore we have the that God. We we know these stories like this. But you showed that she didn't know God, and all the things that Krishna did were just things that kids do. He got into trouble. There was a near accident. A, a cart fell over. A bull. There was a problem with an animal. You know, there, there's all these uh, giant no. witch. Not, about, not everything, bad. <laughs> Trees. I mean, there's, there's these normal accidents, uh, different diseases. We discussed in our in our talks in the Bhagavad. We described like, what Putin represents, what this represents. You know, uh, uh, uh. and they're just regular childhood things. Right, you know, so and actually, our child. I mean, when I was a child, I went through those things. Our ch- we all went, and our children go through those things, right? And so, if we understand that, that's that's the highest love, right? Very interesting. Right. And, and and also, God's playing all the parts. So even when your child's going through it, and we went through it, that was God going through this Leela also. Is Krishna? It's special. We know he's directly God in a different way than we're directly God. We're also directly God, but not mm-hmm. in the same. Not as direct. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we have a uh, right. One of the things he knows and we don't know. That's one of the problems. Anyway, so next, next week we'll read, we'll finish this Bhakti Yoga, the seg- last section on the final Bhava called Madhuriya Bhava, the sweet Bhava. And then his conclusions, only a page, but quite a page, has a punch. <laughs> well, thank you for your kind attention. Kind attention. We're only three minutes. Over, or actually okay, 33 minutes over, but two <laughs> okay. minutes. You know